Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. Well, good day to you. This is Brad Zockel, and you're listening to the Questions About Heaven podcast. I want to welcome you as we are talking about the first book in our seven-book series called What is Heaven All About? The whole series, the seven books, will be called the Heaven is Home series. You can purchase the book that I'm going to read an excerpt from on Amazon. Uh, I wrote this and took the top 12 questions that I'd been asked in the early uh, months of my TikTok online ministry. Boy, we had no idea of the response we were going to get. Uh, my brother was the one who introduced me to uh, the TikTok ministry, and he had kept telling me, look, if you you are able to really be diligent on this, you could get two or 3,000 followers. And then I told him, what I want to do is just concentrate on nothing but heaven. And as I'm talking to you right now, on February 1st of 2023, we have registered as of this hour 157,700 followers, and uh, it's just been absolutely more than I had ever anticipated. Okay, having said that, the book in the front part is the section one is about the questions, and the back part is really a personal devotional diary. I put specific verses in that have to do with heaven, and then you do the digging, and you can fill it in and write all through this book and have it for yours. Well, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to read the first chapter, and uh, if you get a chance to uh, just listen and maybe rewind and listen again and understand some of these very, very important questions that have been asked by people, both Christians and non-Christians, and I think this might help you. And I am very, very uh, careful to continue to refer to scriptures, not go by speculation. But if I have to go by a principle, I will give you as many scriptures as possible so that they are weaving in the, the uh, truth. So I'm not going out here and making an opinion. I try to avoid that under all circumstances. So let's go with chapter one. One of the questions that I had been asked numerous times is, won't heaven be boring? If we're going into heaven, isn't this going to be mundane after a while? So I titled chapter one, won't heaven get boring after a trillion years? So I'm just going to start reading this. And when I finish, I'll say goodbye. And then we will go on to our next podcast. I'll give you another reading. Okay. I came across an internet discussion about heaven regarding the promises made in the Bible about the hereafter to Christians. Included in the exchange were accusations by non-believers about the monotony of God's kingdom. After a trillion years, said one entry, a person would have to have gone through every possible event or activity in the universe. You will have repetitive boredom. Another assumption had to do with a perceived lack of leisure. Quote, For instance, you couldn't play sports in heaven. Someone would have to lose and that would make him upset. If there's no sadness in heaven, how would this be possible? And if there are no sports, then there surely is tediousness. Still another person said, Human nature is to play off one another. Comedy is largely based on mocking people. Someone must be a scapegoat, or else it's not humor. 
Even friendships need friction, a little bit of anger and hurt. How could anybody have a real relationship in heaven? There's no variety. These three comments join others in boldly stating that heaven is not worth achieving because it's a boring place to be. Forever, no matter how good the location of the residence, is a sure bet road to tedium. Even some believers have told me that the contemplation of eternity and the possibility of endless singing services and unceasing worship programs have them teetering on the brink of panic. Well, what does the Bible say? Well, if we are saying that this massive amount of time is part of the problem, we'll begin here. In addressing this, let's capitalize it, and I capitalize time. Time seems to be an intimidating monster robbing the Christian of a joyous existence. We often hear praises like, time was against me, or time is a thief. Is this true in heaven? Let's start the discussion by looking at a foundational truth of time itself. The first thing to note is that time is not dominant over God. When people start claiming that time will be an enormous burden of uncontrollable linear length, they're asserting that this dimension is stronger than God. This is simply not so. God is the creator of time. One of God's names is El Olam, the everlasting God. Psalm 90 verses 1 through 3 praises him as such. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Eternity is nothing to fear when we consider it is under the control of the Creator. In understanding this, the second point to note is that heavenly time is not the same as earthly time. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8 points out this. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. We see that this is an echo of an earlier celebration in Psalm 90 and verse 4, which praises God because a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or like a watch in the night. If we start thinking in terms of earthly years, we are already misguided in our calculations. I want to take a moment and clear something up. There is time in heaven. Many people have a misunderstanding at this point as they claim that the King James Version's presentation of Revelation chapter 10 and verse 6 is that the announcing angels are pronouncing judgments and that, quote, that there should be time no longer, unquote. But the implication, as stated by the reliable Strong's Concordance, is that the context makes it clear that it means the delay, delay is no longer. The song of years back, when the roll is caught up yonder, opens with these words, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. This is a great rollicking hymn that I love, but the reference to Revelation 10 verse 6 is inaccurate. Time is existent in heaven. In Revelation chapter 8 and verse 1, John refers to the space of a half an hour. Revelation chapter 6 verses 9 through 11 notes that when the martyrs appear in heaven, the question is presented to the Lord as to the length of the wait for justice to occur. And God the Father responds for them to wait a little while longer. Remember, this conversation is occurring in heaven. Revelation 22's opening verses make mention of trees bearing fruit, quote, every month, unquote. However, these references to time must always be tempered with the fact that this is heavenly time we're talking about. The third thing to be noticed is that we Christians will be different. We'll be in our resurrected bodies. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 51 and 52 remind us twice 
that we will be changed. Right now, we are making guesses according to the best information that we have right now. And that info comes from our experiences in our earthly bodies. We get tired and distracted and bored. In fact, very little time passes before we get bored, right? Oh, but in God's presence, we won't have these same bodies. The new condition of the resurrected body will be vastly different for sure. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 5 tells us that the Lord himself proclaims that he is making all things new. Notice that he said all things, and that includes Christians' physical existence. And the promise is that, we see this in 1 John 3, 2, we shall be like the resurrected Jesus. The Bible tells us that the resurrected Jesus was able to eat, talk, and walk. In Luke, Luke chapter 24, he challenged the disciples to feel his hands, declaring that ghosts do not have flesh and blood as he has. Notice, though, that he was also able to move through walls and defy gravity. Remember the ascension in Acts chapter 1? And note this, we are promised a similar condition. Think of it. With the limitations that sin has placed on us here on earth, how will we appear whenever the curse is gone? Revelation chapter 22 and verse 3 says that the curse is gone. It's staggering to consider how much more will our resurrected minds be able to absorb new teachings and new discoveries? How much more will our physical strength keep us from fatigue and injury? How will our newness take in the absolute wonder of God's glory and experience his we can experience his unhindered love. I often think of the promise set forth about the new earth life in Habakkuk 2, verse 15. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We will live in an environment where God's glory will permeate every breath, every landscape, and every moment of the new earth. This existence will exceed anything we've ever experienced, and our present bodies could not handle such a supernatural condition. With such unholy bodies such as we presently have, would disintegrate if we face God's full glory. Exodus 33 verse 20 says, You cannot see my face, for mankind shall not see me and live. This new, necessary, sinless condition we must have will require a new body, indeed a resurrected body that cannot die, be injured, or suffer illness. And we read about that. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4, our bodies will be imperishable. They are raised in glory and in power, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 53 tells us that, which will definitely overcome fatigue, irritability, boredom, and impatience. My brother Brent found an entry in my late mother's journal that described him in his preschool years as loving to play and mold clay. That entry was over 50 years ago. Today, Brent is a professional potter with a studio that sends out mugs, bowls, and clay artwork across the nation. Through the years, his dabbling in a simple mound of Play-Doh progressed into the study of design and technique in what is now known as Zockel pottery. His early years of play soon yielded the same lumps of clay after each playtime, but today his studio reveals shelves containing an endless variety of artwork. To sit preschool Brent down at the age of four years and demand to know the mechanics of the pottery wheel and the temperature of a kiln would only frustrate his limited thinking to the point of tears. Today, however, 
In a grown-up body and with an adult mind, his comprehension of the nuances of this form of art is a joy for him to discuss. I find this as an apt illustration when we talk about facing the immensity of heaven and the eternal promises of God the Father. Even with our limited minds today, we can agree that there is nothing boring about being loved. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22 tells us that God's compassion for us will never cease. His benevolence continues into heaven and beyond as it is described in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7, letting us know that in the eons to come, God's grace, according to his limitless riches, will continually gift us with kindnesses through Jesus Christ. These gifts will vary and increase as each one is given. Nothing routine about that. We're given honors and responsibilities in heaven, such as reigning with him, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 5, and even judging angels, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 3 tells us that. We're meeting new people constantly from different nations and races and cultures, Revelation 7, 9 tells us that, as well as being led into new horizons of the new earth, as Revelation chapter 7 and verse 17 says, by none other than the Lamb himself. As you continue to read, you'll soon see the rest of the fact that we're not going to see any boredom in heaven. God has a whole new existence prepared for us, well beyond our most fantastic imaginations. Read 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9, and you'll see one of the most joyful promises in the Bible. No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And it's an even more incredible truth to see the next verse, which is a promise to the Christian. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. And that's why we're embarking on this search for many promises of life in eternity with God the Father. And that is chapter 1 of the book from our ministry, the Zulon International Bible Institute ministry, What is Heaven All About? Thank you so much for listening. This is Brad Zockel. You're listening to Questions About Heaven. I'll see if I can't uh, read us another excerpt from the book a little bit later on. I appreciate you being with me. You take care, and if you get a chance, follow me noontime Eastern Standard Time on YouTube Live for a live class every weekday, and 8.30 in the morning, if you have TikTok, TikTok Live from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Take care, God bless you, and Lord willing, we'll talk soon. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N.org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.